0: This year's Oscars have a bona fide frontrunner, a film with 13 nominations, more than any other title this year. It is, of course, Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's epic about the making of the atomic bomb. Because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world. The biopic is not just being recognized for its story and acting, but also for its craft. Oppenheimer is nominated across many technical categories, including Best Cinematography and Best Sound. And today, we're going to learn a bit more about how it was made. Join me now are NPR's Mandalit Thalbarco and Bilal Qureshi, who spent some time with the people behind the scenes of this movie. Hello to both of you. Hi, Elsa.
1: Hey, Elsa. Hey.
0: All right, so let's start with you, Mandalit. Christopher Nolan, I mean, he's known for having a very exacting approach to making his films. How do you see that in the way he used sound? Well, he's really traditional. And, you know,
1: I spoke with one of the film's Oscar-nominated production sound mixers, Willie Burton. He told me Nolan is an audio genius who mostly records his actors in the ambient noise around them, live, on set, and on location.
0: Oh, wow. And, and Bilal, when it comes to images in Nolan's movies, I mean, there's a similar thing, right? Nolan is this evangelist for IMAX. And using the biggest canvas possible, I hear.
2: Yeah, so we're going to begin this deep dive behind the scenes with the film cinematographer Hoyte Van Hoytema. He shot each of Christopher Nolan's last few films, and here he is.
3: We kind of like choosing the, the hardest way to do things, or the, the least sort of logical, or the least comfortable things. That has meant aerial battles in Dunkirk,
2: freeway car chases in Tenet, and space shuttles and black holes in Interstellar. But Oppenheimer is a different kind of epic. Yes, of course, there's the Trinity Test and the film's centerpiece explosion. But for the majority of its three hours, it's a biopic that unfolds in classrooms and congressional hearings, and in close-ups.
3: Members of the security board, the so-called derogatory information in your indictment of me cannot be fairly understood except in the context of my life. Hoytze van Hoytema
2: says that was both the visual challenge and the opportunity of Oppenheimer.
3: You know, historically, we've been putting cameras on planes or on boats and did a lot of kind of impossible things, but to really go back to the base and to sort of strip it down and to look at the human face again and three hours long people talking, you know, faces.
4: Hoyter van is is just one of the great naturalistic cameramen.
2: Filmmaker Christopher Nolan.
4: Over the years using the IMAX format together, I think we'd both found that some of the most striking compositions on that huge screen would come about as a result of a close-up photographing a face rather than a giant landscape. I mean, the landscapes, you know, are spectacular in IMAX, but more and more we've been drawn to trying to photograph the intimate moments on that format.
2: Matt Mulcahy writes about cinematography for Filmmaker Magazine. The
0: final image of Oppenheimer is just a close-up push-in on the character of Oppenheimer with no dialogue in a tight lens. It's, it's, it's a single image that really sums up the story in, in Oppenheimer's journey.
2: There's a lot of detail captured by IMAX film, but those close-ups are actually harder that way, as Van Hoytema explains.
3: The camera is not very practical because it's big and, and it's very loud. The camera itself sounds like a little little diesel generator and it, the design is, is, is kind of like a, like a hotel mini bar, you know.
2: And the black-and-white IMAX film that was required
3: for some of the scenes didn't even exist... They started manufacturing the film for us and I remember we got these two test rolls from Kodak, 65 millimeter film, thousand feet rolls.
0: They're not just using old school techniques, they're, I think they are very, very innovative.
2: Matt Mulcahy of Filmmaker Magazine says the visual process for how Oppenheimer was made, analog film, on location and practical effects, makes its biography of a mind a more immersive and emotional experience. Even the abstract scenes that show atoms splitting and stars colliding in Dr. Oppenheimer's imagination were
3: filmed in real life. We did a lot of tests. We did tests with, with powders and light and molten metal and aquariums with, with, with light and with brightness and darkness. But, but in the end, you know, it's not reality. It's sort of a poetic interpretation of what it is. It's, it's, it's in many ways, it's unvisualizable, but this, this, this was definitely our best attempt to do it but that did mean dealing with those mini bar sized
2: IMAX cameras which also create their own disruptive soundtrack as my colleague mandaly del barco learned
1: all those IMAX cameras are super loud but christopher nolan told us that just like the visuals he likes to record sound live he doesn't like to have his actors re-record their lines later what's known as adr automatic dialogue replacement
4: you're looking for that that naturalism that depth to the performance there's really no substitute for getting a great recording on location, that has the appropriate camera perspective and that has the genuine performance of the actor in the moment. To do that, I mean, you need a great sound recorder. Willie Burton is one of the greats.
1: When I met Burton at his home in the Hollywood
5: Hills, I found a fellow audiophile. Your, what kind uh, of mic is that? Wow. This is a Sennheiser mic. Sennheiser, wow. A shotgun. Shotgun, okay. Uh
1: Burton told me he and Nolan both like using boom and condenser microphones, equipment that's wired with cables on set and on location, not wireless or lavalier mics that are used widely on film sets these days.
5: It doesn't have the full scope that a microphone like you're using today. So it sounds like a close-up all the time. A conventional microphone, you get the full sound of everything. And that's what Chris wants. Chris wants the footsteps. He wants the movement. With the actors, he wants to hear the props. He wants all of that. It's like old school. That's how we did it years ago.
1: Over nearly five decades, Burton has worked with other big film directors, including Steven Spielberg and Ava DuVernay. Among his credits are The Color Purple, The Shawshank Redemption, and Green Mile. But the 73-year-old wasn't a typical Hollywood type.
5: I was born outside of Tuscaloosa. A little town called Matchaway, Alabama. It's a country town, basically in the woods.
1: Burton eventually earned two Academy Awards. With Oppenheimer, he could become the first black person to win three Oscars. For this film, he says he had to dig trenches in the sand to hide the microphone wires. There was wind to contend with and that noisy IMAX
5: camera. It's loud. It sounds like... uh, (sighs) It's about five times louder than this. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's so incredible looking. I mean, it blows your mind.
1: Burton had also worked with Nolan on his 2020 film Tenet.
5: I mean, we spent a lot of money on this trying to, you know, quiet the camera. And then we realized that... It really wasn't going to work. It's still noisy. No matter what you do, it's just noisy.
1: For Oppenheimer, he says they sometimes shot close-ups with a somewhat quieter 65 millimeter camera. One of the more ingenious uses of sound was at the climax of the film, when Robert Oppenheimer and his team test a bomb that could destroy the planet. Here's Nolan.
4: It's so thrilling to see an entire audience full of people just on tenterhooks, hearing only the sounds of breathing that Willie was able to get from the actors on set. And then have everybody jolted out of their seats by the impact of the explosion.
1: Burton says even he was surprised at the effect on the audience.
4: A lady was
5: sitting next to me and she had a soda and it was so loud, she jumped up. It scared us so bad, she spilled the soda all on me and in my shoe. So the rest of the movie, I had to sit there with my shoe off.
1: That's the effect of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking approach for a movie about quantum physics and abstract science. I'm Mandalit Albarco.
2: I'm Bilal Qureshi.
1: NPR News.
2: In Los Angeles.